Today is November 22nd, 2020, and I'm joined with Greg Fernandez Jr., the author of The Gray Stage book, and along with Catherine and Sophia. How is everyone doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Absolutely. We've got an interesting topic for the podcast today. The topic is the kitchen. And if you're following along in the book, Greg Fernandez's book, chapter six, The Kitchen, and we'll be starting today on page 52 on in the book. Uh, Greg, do you want me to read that quote? Yeah, here's a quote by David Crowley given on March 7th, 2014. He says, quote, the use of force, no matter the, the context, should be a shameful last resort, indicating an utter defeat of intelligent faculty. This is the difference between men and children, and also why our childlike society celebrates violence in its exercise of authority, end quote. To me, that would... Anyone that's have a, any comments on that first, uh, first quote? It's a pretty powerful quote, I, I, I think. I think there's, there's a lot of things. If you read through David's um, Facebook posts and his Twitter posts, you're going to find a lot of nonviolent posts here that um, I think we, we know that the investigators went through all of David's social posts, all of his Facebook, all of his Twitter, all of that stuff. So they had access to all of this looking for anything that might help them understand uh, why anybody on this world would ever think that David Crowley is, is guilty. And I think we have a lot of quotes in here, even going back all the way to 2006 when David was still stationed. Um, there's a lot of uh, peaceful quotes, and I thought that this was just one of those many that we put in here. So this is my, my favorite one, I think. Very intelligent, uh, intelligent man he was, and ahead of his time, one could, one could say. And young. I will um, start reading uh, the second paragraph down on page 52, and then we'll have some discussion. Item 25 is blood swabbed on the kitchen island countertop next to the laptop. This item was not tested. Neither was the blood stain on the tissue box, item number 26. And so the tissue box you can see there on the screen for those following along is item 26. There was a blood swab, blood stain on that, and it was not tested. Going on. In fact, two blood stains on the lower part of the base of the kitchen island, items 16 and 17. A drop of blood on the kitchen floor next to the dishwasher, item 21. Another spot of blood inside the dishwasher, item 22. And a blood stain on the underside of the kitchen island, item 28. All were submitted for analysis, but nev never tested. Any comments on that statement right there? Yeah, I think if we go back to, uh, let's start with the um, uh, the tissue box here. So let me take a few take a few steps back to look at that tissue box. What's pretty interesting about the tissue box is it's similar to the one um, bloody finger that is uh, found in the hallway. So let me go back there before I start rambling on a little bit here but it's um what's what's pretty interesting is that okay if there's blood here on the tissue box on the side of the tissue box 
Uh, no blood mentioned on any other sides of the tissue box and I've looked at this from all other angles too and couldn't really see any other blood. Just just that one little line there. Um, no blood on the actual tissue. We can see that too. And generally no blood on that counter. So it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of random and I don't really understand how this would get here. Um, and what what is the purpose? What are they? What is somebody wiping up? And why well, not? I've always. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I've always pictured when I see um, that item number 26 on that tissue box where somebody's reaching and their finger or thumb or whatever, and it's like you're grabbing a tissue and you're pulling it up. It's like it hits the side and they're then it goes up as they're pulling the tissue up out of the box. Mm -hmm. That's how, how I've always pictured this particular stain getting on the side of the, the tissue. It, but how, how old would the stain have to be in order for the blood to get just in that one spot, not to leak when they pull out? Because, you know, when you pull out the tissue, there it does require a little bit of, of force, and I would think that there should be at least a little bit of blood spatter or something some droplets somewhere else well, and we don't have a clear picture of the the top of it but it, a lot of it would depend on how dried the blood was on their hand their thumb their finger whatever it was that touched that tissue box mm -hmm. so would this be more leaning more towards a drier blood more towards a wetter and, and again well something that's not like fresh wet or whatever but mm -hmm. I mean, and this is just my take. I could be completely wrong, but when I see that, that's what I envision. Because whenever I, you know, like if you reach for tissue and you're, it's half the time you don't even realize what you're touching. Mm -hmm. And this could have been just such a, a light touch. And it looks like it swoops up. So. Interesting. Um, then looking at uh, item number 16. The only thing about this is why this one, okay, because we can clearly see on this wall here, and if I back up a little bit, maybe one or two, uh, in the high-res photos, you can clearly see that where item 16 is, along this whole wall, you know, there's blood little spots here, there's blood spots here, blood spots, there's some other blood spots there too, so, um, unless that's my dirty screen maybe well a couple of these might be my dirty screen but I think a few of these are the actual blood spots on this wall so that was my other question was why did they select this one obviously this one was a little thicker maybe does this show us what what does this show us nothing other than it's cast off I'm not sure why they chose just that one blood drop mm -hmm. but maybe it was more prominent than the others and easier to stick a sticker on I don't know <laughs> but yeah I mean look at your you're you're right look at all those other spots on that wall but why they chose that one I have no idea and I would have the same question with item 7 item 17 because again there's there's a lot of more blood here on this wall that you can see it's it's all over this one so why why just this one little area and um and then it, it, again it's it's another interesting thing to go back to see well they they have it and they don't test it but there's a lot of blood on this one here lots of droplets right. similar right, droplets yeah maybe even a, a thicker cast off droplet um to the to the right of where the 17 is which when you flip this image over you know, where it's actually... You know, unless mm -hmm. what they were doing was um, those particular drops were just going to be a sample of what 
appeared on that wall. So instead of taking a sample from every single blood drop, the chances are it all came from the same source. So maybe that's why they just picked one and stuck a, a tag on it. it it's, it's a guess. I'm not sure if it's right. And who would, who would know that this is cast off blood? Would that be the Apple Valley, the BCA? Because I don't, I don't know if cast off blood is, is mentioned in any of the, the reports or documents that I've seen. Yeah, they don't mention any other. Um, they actually don't even really mention what type of blood is on the scene. They'll say that there is a large amount of blood. Um, according to a lot of crime scenes I've seen, there isn't a lot of blood here other than on the chair. But um, yeah, BCA would have known that by walking in. I mean, the police officers should have, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe they didn't. Um, Maybe that wasn't something they studied, but definitely BCA would know it would be cast off. Um, just like, yeah, and that would be passive like we talked about before. Um, but why they don't differentiate in their reports is a good question. And no testing done on it. Same with item 21 and 22, uh, where we have is just a few little drops with item 21. You can clearly see there's some other drops to the left of it, uh, to the south a little bit, and then one, two, three drops that are just kind of there. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I mean, this is the furthest. This is some of the furthest drops from the where the bodies were found, and it, how did the blood get way over here? With hair on top of it, dog hair. You can clearly see there's some dog hair right there, but. So this is just a drop. This is what you call passive. Is that what you said? Passive um, blood droppings? Correct. The same with 22 then I'm assuming here, right? Correct. None of it tested. I mean, is it... It's swabbed. They had enough to swab it. And it's just, it's just kind of baffling to me about, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past. What was tested? What wasn't tested? And then we're going to talk a little bit about what was saved and what wasn't saved, too. Um, I don't know. It's I would think at least 22 or, or 21 because they're both in the same area. I could see maybe not testing both of them. Same with 16 and 17. So it just seems, you know, you would want to test one of them. They're in that area there. So. I agree. <clears throat> um, that's all I have for... Um, for those items for 16 through 28, unless you have, Sophia, anything else? Uh, no. Okay. Mm -mm. All right, I'll continue on. David's bloody cell phone, item 35, was found close to the tissue box. A blood mixture of two or more individuals was found on the phone. David was excluded from being a possible contributor. According to DNA results, quote, Kamel Rasul Crowley and Rania Crowley cannot be excluded from being possible contributors, end quote. Now this is kind of another one that is where, where we, it's like we always talk about and a lot of people have brought this up, where the blood is, where the blood isn't. Why is there blood here? Why isn't there blood there? and there's blood all over this phone and a little bit of blood on the on the counter you can kind of see that here too 
Uh, so the the phone was set down by a by a bloody hand. You can see that there's some scratches and everything on it, but there's there may be one or two drops on the headphones possibly. Uh, when I was looking at it closer, I thought, okay, maybe there are a few others, but not that much. And if you know, it's like, what is all all this stuff here? Is all stuff that would um, David would have pulled out from his pockets, from his pants pockets, and I, that's kind of weird. I thought um, I don't understand why there's two lighters there. They're not in the same place either. But just sticking to the cell phone, I try to look at the cell phone from all different sides, and again, it's it's um, it's just very frustrating to to see how much blood is on the cell phone, and how does how does that blood get there you know and why isn't it on the headphones that were in there everything else that's pulled out of the, of the pockets everything else here isn't bloody why is that one i don't know that would that just kind of bothered me a little bit well and i agree with you that the cell phones always bothered me as well only because we know um when sophia was able to get those uh, phone records and we know that um, his phone wasn't used for any texts or calls or anything so why would it even need to be picked up why would blood be on it and if David wasn't making texts or phone calls I mean again I feel like it's something the police should have just said okay this is weird let's look into it one one thing I have heard uh, Catherine is that uh, some have speculated that he was running his playlist and playing music from the cell phone now we know that's not true because he's running it through the media player on his laptop so you are correct the only use of this phone would be for calls and texts uh, and there were none so that's a good point yeah and, and I've thought about that too what you were saying about you know I, I've heard the thing about the music as well so if he's using his cell phone yeah why would he need his laptop and vice versa if he has his laptop why would he need his phone it just doesn't fit is there any significant you know go ahead Sophie I'm sorry possible mistake well, you know by the killers once again trying to bloody up everything but at the same time doing it in the wrong things and um, the question here is, why didn't the detectives pick up on that? Go ahead, Sophia. I was just thinking that maybe they were trying to get some information off of that phone. Hmm. Yep, good point. Very good point. I don't remember if it's meant, now that you brought that up, I don't remember if it's mentioned that the phone was locked or not, but most iPhones, are, I would assume, they would be. Um, there, I mean, it is possible to, to change that setting, but when you have two of the computers in in this house that aren't password locked, I don't know. That's pretty. That's a pretty interesting thought there. Um, same with these scratches that are on this phone too. I mean, that could just be one of these other items rubbing up against the screen of of that phone, but. It's an interesting place for the phone to be found, to be left here. I don't know what this other black thing, it looks like some type of remote control possibly, but um, these lighters, 
you know it's the more I look at some of this stuff especially in these photos that we're gonna look at here the more it's almost like possibly they were leaving um, signs they were leaving clues things so that people would notice that things did not add up and we're gonna see that well, more as we go go ahead if you look at the headphones, the headphones are placed on top of the phone, but they're not as bloody as the phone. Yeah. So they were obviously handled with cleaner hands. Yeah, I think I found maybe one bloody area, one bloody dot where this big, um, where the big lighter is, where the text for the big lighter is. There may be some blood right there, but that's about it. I mean, there's no other blood that I can see in these in these photos here. And the headphones aren't on, so it's not, it's not like he's using them. I don't know what the silver. So they thing were is. placed on top after whoever handled that phone, and I don't know. It's just weird. Maybe even at a at a separate time, right? Mm-hmm. And it's weird to have the two lighters kind of separate too. I don't know. Just weird things like that. Just I just wonder if David was in a hostage situation and maybe leaving clues around this house that he was hoping people would pick up on later later on i think the this is dan i think the subliminal message here also by the killers is to leave those lighters now once mm -hmm. again neither of them smoke cigarettes there aren't candles around the house so it's leaving the detectives with Boy, these guys are smoking a lot of weed, you know, here right in the kitchen once again. Out in front of out in front of the public, uh, out in front of the child, they're smoking weed again. That's the impression I got. That could be wrong, but it's the subliminal that I think that they're left there on purpose showing these lighters all over the place. Over. That's a good point. Um, do we know if any of David's, the well, I should say the Grace State team, do any of them smoke? trying to think of any videos that I've seen of them um, I know never seen I don't them. think cigarettes but I would assume uh, weed yes okay because I you know I you you brought up a good point so I'll probably think about that more often but I always thought about those lighters as being <laughs> accidentally left behind but the point you make makes more sense and they may have been accidentally left behind. The question is, were fingerprints taken from those lighters? And, and if so, whose fingerprints were on there? But we don't have that. Yeah, and no blood on those lighters. So it's just weird. I, blood on the cell phone, a little bit of blood on the tissue box, and really nowhere else on any of these items on this counter here. I think the what it screams once again is the phrase over staging so much was done and left behind on purpose you have a bloody phone but yet nice white clean earbuds laying neatly on top of them um, why you know what why why all this strangeness i've never heard of anybody at that, yeah i've never heard of anybody taking stuff out of their pockets right before they kill themselves or kill somebody else or anything like that it just it just seems weird so overstaging does make sense and make the most sense i guess um if that makes any sense at all to overstage uh, but we know you know that's what what we're dealing with here we see that in so many of these photos here anything else on the uh, cell phone 
Alright, um, the next screenshot I have up here, Dan, if you want to read um, the next uh, paragraph. The next section says, some of those items were retained, retained in their entirety and could be tested later, according to the BCA report. The contents of, of items 11, 12, 14, 15, 23, 24, 27, 35, 38, 39, 50, 51, and 52 have been retained in their entirety. Yeah, End quote. Now, they had a typo in there, right? Because I was like, well, maybe they meant something else. But I looked up entreaty just to see if it was a real word. And no, it, it's a typo. It wasn't. Yeah. But <laughs> you never know, you know. I'm glad you corrected it in your book, though. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I did not want to leave that one. <laughs> We're going to talk about the big blunder that I made in my book uh, at, at the end here. But, um, yeah, so that's good. I think 50, 51, and 52, those are CDs of images. I do believe that's correct. Um, but it's good that these ones that they have but again it goes back to some of the ones that we've just looked at 16 17 um 20 21 22 and 28 are not on this list and i i don't know it's am i just over overthinking this of um why those ones wouldn't be because they're smaller they're not relevant they don't really help them prove David Crowley guilty? Is this more evidence that they were only really looking at and collecting and testing things that they were sure uh, would help them prove David Crowley guilty, even though they failed at that? I'm trying to understand their logic behind all of this. Well, you bring up a good point because they didn't test those items and there's no reason to get rid of it because if you're going to destroy the evidence you have in the case, you're going to destroy everything. So why would they not keep in their entirety blood swabs from items that were never tested? I didn't even see that, Greg. Good point. I just want to say hi to everybody in our live chat room too. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Ellie, always good to have you here. And Denise, always good to have you too. So um, yeah, thanks everybody for listening in as we record this podcast, which will be uh, put out for the Gray Stage podcast on the first of the month. So we've covered a lot here so far, um, but the big one one of the big ones for for me here is that newspaper the newspaper i think gives uh, the two newspapers really help give us a good timeline and really help us figure out you know um or should <laughs> they should have given us a good timeline but we have a lot of problems with this there's problems just looking at the photos because once again we have things that are moved things that are taken out uh, what I want everybody to look at in this photo here, um, two things, I guess. I don't know what this other trash can is to the left. Um, and so that's going to be another thing about what is in this kitchen drawer here. You can see that it's open, okay, because we do have photos. The police do have photos, not the BCA, but the Apple Valley photos do show this same drawer closed and photographed. So here... Uh, this is still a BCA image. I'm, I'm just running through the BCA images here first. And um, so we can see that it's still kind of open. The, um, 
the dishwasher is open as well and you can see it's open just a little crack there so this is how they walked in and found this so uh, you know obviously they're going to look through the through this trash so my question here is are these both recycling um dan do you know this style or does anybody know this style i mean we have one recycling thing here we don't have one of these pullout drawers though but if we did i, I would think one I would can, be garbage one would be i recycling. can answer that and and typically when the, uh, the drawer pulls out like this you've got two receptacles one for the trash one for recycling and so that's that's usually how it goes. It looks like the front one there is trash. Uh, the one in the back is newspapers and cardboard and uh, ju uh, juice containers and things like that for recycling, uh, potentially. But that's how it would that would make sense uh, as far as the setup. That would make sense, but that's not what what we're seeing here. There's paper in both of them. There's um, there's a milk carton um, or some type of a carton in both of them too. And so if these aren't you know, it, it is possible that they just got lazy, but, you know, it's it's one of those other things where I'm kind of wondering is, you know, were these signs here? Were there some type of signs that they were possibly leaving here um, so that people would notice that, um, you know, one should be recycling and the other shouldn't? Why is there stuff, why is there recycling dumped in both of, of these trash cans here? Good question. So then what, what they do is once they, once the BC, in the BCA photo, the next B, here's the, where the newspaper is. And then in the next BCA photo, they put it out uh, on the table. So they take it out, they take a photo of the date, December 26, 2014. And when Dan reads on here, uh, that's, this date is going to be very, very important. But then what we're looking at now are the photos from the Apple Valley. And you can see dishwasher is closed. That drawer is pulled in, is pushed in. Not pulled in, but pushed in. And here, the newspaper is here too. So uh, my question, I guess, is are they, are they both snapping pictures at the same time? Do they put the newspaper back into the trash can and then another team photo photo photographs it what the avpd photographer does is then take the tra take the um take this out of the trash and these are separated by dsc so the the air, any photo that you see with the dsc label was taken by the apple valley any photo with the bca obviously taken by the bca so maybe uh, maybe the my timeline is is kind of off and it's just well no it's just okay the avpd takes this photo they take this next photo and then at the end um the the bca takes the photo of this same newspaper on that shelf the only problem there is you see that they actually label it here so when they label this item 10 here that should be it right wherever they put that marker this should not move from that point. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I making stuff up? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're asking a question we don't know, but it would make sense because nothing else really else moved. <laughs> I mean, why put the tin here? I'd put the tin, you know, you, you move it up and then... You... I have a question, dear, uh, Greg. Yeah. The only question I have is there was a photo, if you go back in the garbage can where it was tucked neatly in, and then there's a 
photo of the garbage can where it's flipped up like that. Okay, let me go back. To... Um, hanging out. Okay, so that one was the. I didn't. I've never noticed that before. Here's the. Uh, See, there's neat, it's neatly tucked in. It's not flipping over the edge, is it? Or am I just not seeing it right? I don't. Let me go back to that. I think you're right. No, it's not. It's not. So it's kind of folded. It's kind of in. But then if we look at the Apple Valley photo here, it's tucked underneath that. I don't get so, that. Unless they put it back. That's the only thing I could think of. For whatever reason, they put it back. One of, one of the teams yeah, put it, it back. Looks, what I would say is that it looks disturbed. It looks like not how it was. It, 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 it either would have been one of those or the other, but not both. Yeah, because in the first one, you see it clearly see it like folded in half when it was in the trash can, and then that yeah or okay yeah it's definitely different. It's not the same. Because they have some of the other items, some other so that's uh, ads. ads. Yeah, and stuff. but you're right. Once they take it out to photograph it, they only really need one photo, either on the counter like you see right there. They could have stuck the number ten on that, take the photo, or. Um, set it on top between the two trash cans and take a photo with the number 10 on it. Now it's but not, it's why, it, go ahead Dan, sorry. Why would they you know, why are there three photos of the newspaper out? Two in the trash, one with the 10 on it, and then one on the counter. Once again, I don't understand the concept of, you know, right there is probably all would have been sufficient, would it not? Yeah, and it even moves from here to here. <laughs> so what? You know, all the all the movements is and, and these, like you said, Greg, it could be uh, the BCA photos versus the Apple Valley Detective Police. Are these different? I still don't understand that. And maybe someone from the chat chat room could comment on that. That's pretty interesting to me. Um, just yeah, all the movement of that, and we haven't even gotten into um, the really interesting part here about the um, what happens with this newspaper. So Dan, if you want to continue reading on that. Okay. <clears throat> Additionally, a Sun This Week newspaper dated December 26, 2014, was collected from the kitchen garbage, according to the delivery driver. The weekly newspaper was delivered to the Crowley residence on December 23rd, 2014, between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. However, the delivery driver's mother told Detective Tommy Booth her son delivered the newspaper on December 24th. Um, should I stop there or continue on? Uh, go ahead and continue through the next. All right. Additionally, Detective Brian Bone spoke with the circulation coordinator for the Sun This Week her name is Kathy Silberg. Silberg stated the newspaper found in the kitchen garbage, quote, could have been delivered on December 24, 25, or 26, end quote. Detective Bone learned the papers were delivered for pickup by the delivery drivers on December 24, 2014. Silberg explained that the papers are left at a centralized location for the delivery drivers to pick up and then deliver. If Silberg's dates are accurate, it is not possible for the driver to deliver the newspaper to the Crowley mailbox on December 23rd. And I'll stop. I'll stop there, right? Uh, if you could read the next, just the next paragraph. Okay, the next one. Mm -hmm. It seems detectives never asked the driver how he delivered the newspaper 
on December 23rd if the paper wasn't ready to be picked up until December 24th. Nevertheless, Detective Bone concluded his report by stating, quote, as of this time, it is believed the paper that was found in the kitchen garbage can could have been brought in any time after 1,500 hours on December 23rd, 2014. So how does a paper that is not set to go out until December 24th, 25th, or 26th, according to Kathy Sil- Silberg, how does that paper get delivered on December 23rd? More so, why does the delivery driver's mom say that it was delivered on December 24th? and the investigators decide screw it we're just going to say december 23rd we have four possible dates here four possible dates and three people giving three different uh dates basically or possible dates december 23rd is not a possible date given by the person who handles the circulation of this paper why is that not a bigger deal why don't the investigators follow up maybe kathy silberg got those dates wrong um it should not be hard to, to to figure it out but if she's saying the paper isn't ready till december 24th then this paper this uh paper delivery guy must be a time traveler that's the only <laughs> thing that makes sense to me well i think we've got a couple issues going on here i'd like to take the first remove the first one first as a teenage boy doing this for a a part-time job when he was asked when he delivered this I think he probably just said off the cuff the 23rd between 2 and 3 p.m. now one could argue with me by saying if police were asking you wouldn't you certainly get it right Uh, that could be the case but I don't think it was the 23rd he probably got it wrong but you're right the police report should still be correct they should still say you know that was the 23rd it didn't get printed till the 24th or or whatever do you want to re correct your statement to the delivery boy and he could have said yes i got it wrong and then they could have had the police report printed correctly rather than this um now in 1992 i myself personally did deliver in the apple valley area these this week newspapers that's just just a part-time job so you're giving them a, a, a notification or, or something saying they're ready to be picked up. Here's your stack. Deliver them when you can to the homes. So my second statement is obviously they weren't given delivered on the 25th by anyone officially, but because these are just part-time people doing this, if he got half the stack done on the 24th, maybe he did get up early on the 25th and deliver the rest of the stack on the 25th. So this isn't like an official mailman making a stop on a holiday when mailmen do not work um so this it could have been delivered on the 25th oh it could so okay. they're just they're just you, you get them and then you make your delivery you make your rounds and until they're all gone and you do them at your leisure either all in one shot or uh, you break it up into a couple days or, or something but you, you get it you get it out uh so i think it could have been on the 25th but i think certainly not on the 23rd but the time, because he gave a specific time between 2 and 3 p.m., is probably when he typically did his route. So I think the time was probably correct. Does anybody think he delivered a paper on the 23rd? Catherine, Sophia? Nope. 
I, I think it was just an accident or a mistake of him saying the 23rd. And I would, I would agree. The, the circulation coordinator, when she got asked by police, you know, this Kathy Silberg would certainly give the correct date of the publication. She would go back and check, knowing it's coming from police, you want to get it right. I think her dates are correct, and I think the teenage boy doing this off the cuff says, you know, I did it on the 23rd. Probably wasn't right. But it's still, it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't satisfy the fact that it's in a police report as incorrect. I don't like, you know, personally, I don't like the fact that it was in there wrong. It should have been followed up and or corrected before it got printed off like this, but Sadly enough, it got in the final report as the 23rd. I mean, even his... I think what bothers me about that is, is it doesn't bother me that they quoted that the teenager said he did it on the 23rd. I think all of us are in agreement that a teenage boy is not going to know the dates. It was a mistake, whatever. So they have to put in what he said. But toward the end where they say that um, they narrowed it down that any time after 1500 hours on the 23rd, that I think is erroneous. They knew by that point that no, that paper was not delivered on the 23rd. Now they could have said um, any t why didn't they say the 24th? Any time on the 24th or after. So that's where I take issue with the police officers. Yeah, I mean, two people live in the same house. The uh, mom, you know, she sounds like she would know. But again, it's just, it's one more thing that's never followed up. And, um, you know, one more thing that makes it hard for us to get a real accurate timeline. This is nothing new. Uh, anything else on that paper, or else, Dan, if uh, we'll have you read the next paragraph about the other paper. <clears throat> yeah, but there shows the, the paper at the bottom um, section there. Um, sorry, should I go on with the next yes, one? Yes, please. Okay, the last this week newspaper delivered to the Crowley home was dated January 2nd, 2015. The newspaper delivery driver did not deliver that paper to the mailbox since he was out of town and on vacation with his family, according to Detective Bone. Two more editions of, of the Sun this week newspaper should have been in the Crowley mailbox. Why were the January 8th 15th and 15th editions of the Sun this week missing from the mailbox. Now that's a very good, this this is where it gets to be interesting, I think. Yeah, there should be two more papers in there, right? And there isn't. And by the way, oh, the, bodies, the bodies are found on the 17th. So the issue of the 15th should be in there. And the seven days before that, the 8th, should be in there and the second should be in there so in the mailbox and, and just to clarify not the mailbox per se but the section underneath the mailbox in the wood the wood square section there should be three issues of this week newspaper yeah. there right there there should be three and Dan, I, I've had a question about this um, and since you stated you delivered the papers 
uh, since uh, the delivery um, boy was on vacation, don't they usually find someone else to take that route? And if so, why didn't they find that person and then interview them? Correct. That that paper still needs to be delivered, whether you're on vacation or not. A, a backup person would still deliver them. So the question is, why aren't there three here? And Catherine brings up a good point. If John Doe delivering the paper wasn't on vacation one week, who was John Doe's replacement the week he was gone? And was this person he or she questioned? It appears not. But there's still two missing from the slot. Anything about the condition of the paper here too that would kind of help us uh, compare this to um, uh, to the presents found in front of, of the house. Different type of paper I'm sure but I mean it's face down. Oh that's a good point because that seems to be wet or whatever and then you have the presents that are right out to the open to the elements and they're just fine. Good point. Correct. Yeah. I mean, these were like in a little box thing, so unless the rain or snow was going completely sideways, they shouldn't have been, the paper shouldn't have been wet like that. And then you got the presents where the presents do look like they've been exposed to the elements, but not, not drenched like the paper. Right. And you can see the snow in this image here. You can see the snow in the back. So snow did get through here. So, I mean, who knows how long it was there, but uh, there's just nothing else, nothing else there. And you can see the snow still on this paper here. And there's a nice little... And going place. back, um, I've got the weather pulled up for the weather for Apple Valley, Minnesota for that whole time frame. Awesome. The only snow that came, and it was very little, just a small trace, was on January 5th. So that two-week span after the holidays, starting with December 28th all the way through January 17th when the bodies were discovered, the only snow was January 5th, and it was 0.01, one-hundredth of an inch of snow came. Very, that's, that's more of just like a dusting. Hmm. So there really wasn't snow at all for the This Week magazines. No precipitation, I should add, either as far as rain or sleet. Nothing on those days. So I don't think it would even could be a, perhaps damp. Could a snowblower have done that? Possibly. Now when the bodies were discovered, the temperature high that day was 37. So that is above freezing. If there was anything on the ground or in the mailbox, it would have been melting. And so things would have been damp. But one could argue there'd be nothing in there to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we don't have any reports of anybody seeing David or Kamel going out and collecting mail between Christmas and no. I guess a week before they were found. Nope. There, one of the neighbors I think thought that they were they were gone because they hadn't seen any lights on or anything. So. And that was around uh, December 18th or, or 19th, so that could have been closer to the 21st, maybe, but still. But who collected the mail on the newspaper? 
the one in the that's found in the kitchen you're talking about mm-hmm. yeah good question and there's a ton of stuff in in the mailbox uh, when they do end up opening up that mail and um, they also somebody they also get mail while they're the mailman pulls up while the while the investigation is ongoing and then it, I think the investigator Tara Becker says that she actually took some of the mail and put it into the mailbox which I think is a federal crime but that's a whole nother issue um, hey Dan yeah good oh Greg can no, you go back one which one right up to the previous photo please okay. uh, just like you were stating when you look at the the next slot over they have looked to have two or th- at least three newspapers in their slot box that have been sitting there but yet I mean, so you're right. So if anybody questions whether or not there there should have been more newspapers, just look at theirs. Well, here's the in- yeah, here's the interesting so, well, thing about that though is the, it looks like the same paper that's on the top for 1041 is the same paper that's here. Yeah, but what Catherine is saying that you know the Crowleys haven't been home for three weeks, their their mailbox should be full, and the slot beneath it should be, you know, full or at least have more things in it. The very person very next person to the right who obviously wasn't gone for three straight weeks has more contents in their mailbox than the Crowley's. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that doesn't make sense. So that, I mean, <laughs> again, logic would dictate that the police should have looked at that and said, well, obviously the Crowley's were home to pick up, you know, something. Bell should have been going off, basically, is Co- what I'm Correct. Saying. Correct. They were just so desperate to label this as a murder-suicide that they didn't bother to look any deeper. Yep. And they had it all figured out. Uh, that For me, that's it. That's all I got on the paper. We just got a few more paragraphs here, Dan. If you want to... All right. Next one is several bottles of pill capsules were taken out of a kitchen drawer and photographed by investigators. The bottles were not mentioned in police reports, evidence lists, or Minnesota BCA files. Contents inside the refrigerator were also absent from those documents. In fact, many items seen inside the house were absent from reports. But as Detective Gummer later clarified, if we did not cover it in our reports, then we did not feel it was necessary to do so, end quote. So I've got a mm-hmm, I've got go one comment uh, here. You know, it would have been nice to see the photographs from inside the microwave, inside the oven, and inside the refrigerator and freezer, just to just to bring closure to, to everything. Um, and, but I don't know if that's common practice or not. Um, any other questions on that, uh, Catherine? I, I mean, does that agree. make sense? And you don't need every, I don't think every single drawer or cabinet door or cupboard door opened, but the fridge would have given us some good clues. The oven, uh, what they had eaten or what was in there, or microwave, for instance, just with the doors open. We got all these photographs of everything else. And those, I think, would have been actually interesting to see. Yeah, I'd like to add also that Detective Gilmer had said if we did not cover it, in our reports, we did not feel it was necessary to do so. It's at this point that I'd like to point out that 
if there was alcohol in those cabinets or in the refrigerator, I'm fairly certain that would have been covered in the report and photographed. Oh, yeah, to go along with how some people are saying mm -hmm. that he was drinking. Yep, good point. Yep. But I, I agree with you, Dan. You know, I'm thinking that why wouldn't they at least photograph um, the, the stove, the microwave, etc., since the dishwasher itself was open and there was obvious blood droplets in that, why would they not take photos um, it it's clearly that the the family was interrupted yeah. and so why not document everything it's pretty interesting and wasn't it the guy who said that there was like a pizza that had burned in the oven yes i remember hearing that as well and I, and i don't speak of it uh currently i don't bring that up because i don't have faith in it but at one point someone said there was a pizza in the oven as if they were trying to uh you know, their last meal was a pizza. And I went back and asked, well, if the pizza was in, the oven would have been on, and the thing would have been burnt up. And it wouldn't have been just mm -hmm. sitting in there without it being on. Um, so, you know, I said, what, is, what does that mean? How, how would you know if a pizza was in there? And then I never heard anything back. So that may have been disinformation. Okay. Seems to be a lot of that with this case. <laughs> One thing I was trying to figure out was the actual drawer. Um, which drawer was the checkbook found in, and which drawer was the uh, where those pill bottles found in? And again, looking at some of the photos here of the uh, of this kitchen area, you can you can kind of watch this um, uh, this what is this like a light green, like a pea green? bucket or whatever or bowl and you can see where it is in this image here next to the first drawer and it's kind of moved over here in the second drawer so you can see where the checkbooks were found in the second drawer but it, to me it's still not clear exactly which drawer uh, those pills were found in too and um, it's just a lot of you know open open drawers they take of you know they take the, the photos of that but um, you know, if these, I don't know, it's just, especially with kids in the house, it's not. Yeah, Greg, if you could go back. Yeah, yeah see, in the photo there, see those four drawers up high, the yeah. little pull-out square ones? Mm -hmm. you know, they may have been in there with the child in the house. The pills may not have been in the drawers down below, but perhaps up there. But once again, you're correct. Uh, they were never stated as to where they were found. They just showed, they're just photographed, just laying on the counter, nice and neat. <laughs> yeah. That would make sense, actually, now that you brought that up, yeah, that it was in one of these top four up, up there. Um, there is another lighter here, too, on this table, a uh, purple lighter. So they've got three lighters here, all in, in the same area. I don't know, it just, it just, I don't know why that keeps Yeah, and they're bothering. all in places that don't make any sense. No, no, not at all. Not at like, all. Like, why do you, you don't have a... That's not a gas stove, is it? It's electric. It looks like electric. So you don't need a... Yeah. Well, it's... It may go back to that photo. I think it is gas. It? Okay, let's go look at that. But it would still have a pilot light that would stay lit or would automatically light. Yeah, that is gas. That's gas. Oh, uh, it is? So you may have a longer, a longer snouted lighter to light it, but not 
it, uh, you wouldn't use a, a big lighter to light an oven, would you? No. Or a stove. No. So the no. question is, once again, they're they're all laying around the place these big lighters, and the two don't smoke, and there's no candles. Uh, so I don't know. I think I think they're left behind to, to reinforce that that these were weed smoking uh, druggies in the house. <clears throat> but I could be wrong. I think that's all I had for that one. Just a little odd, uh, just going through some of the photos, you could tell when they start digging through drawers and things like that, like this little shelf up or this, uh, the notepad is moved over, everything is moved, the, um, the lighter or, yeah, pretty much everything is kind of moved over and then photo, pho photographed, so not a big deal, but just another interesting thing you can see the dog milk bones here in the in the in the back as well and I don't know just looking for any clues that they may have left things out on the counter um, to be a warning sign or to be a clue later later on possibly um, this my little pony thing is also in a weird spot I don't know why that's way back there it seems kind of weird for that to be, but maybe I'm overthinking it. It looks like Rania's lunchbox, so to me, it would kind of make sense to be in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And it was her last day of school, the 19th, so maybe they set it behind that blender or whatever it is, uh, because she was going to be off for two weeks or something. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Good points. Uh, the coffee pot, I think we had tried to kind of use that as well as maybe to help figure out a timeline. But with the coffee pot out, with the, the filters out, the coffee out, yeah, to me, it, you know, it goes back to what you're saying. It looks like they were, they were, they were in the middle of something and, um, they got either in, interrupted or something happened that caused them to stop whatever they were they were doing and i don't know if that will also help us give a timeline of where they caught off guard in the morning in the day in the evening um, if i had to to guess i'd probably say more closer to morning but that's just just a guess on that but leaving all these lighters out and i know Rania's not that tall maybe she couldn't reach those but still it just it just doesn't seem right to me doesn't seem seem like there's something wrong with that something odd but we can move on to all right the next no moving forward is a notepad item 46 and a folded note behind the notepad item 47 were collected as a possible handwriting from Kamel Rasul Crowley authorities do not make it clear if they think all of the writing on item 46 and 47 came solely from Comel. Another item collected from the kitchen was a checkbook found in the front drawer of the kitchen counter, item 48, with possible handwriting from David Timothy Crowley. Okay, and we can um, we could probably stop right there for a couple okay. seconds. Um, so I'm going to go back a few to here to this note here. So you have on the refrigerator, you have, you know, a lot of other things there too, but for some reason this note, there's a note folded behind this little notepad here. 
So you have that. It's not clear whose handwriting or if they say that it's multiple people's handwriting. This kind of looks like, you know, it's it's three different names here. Um, e could could be A, but that would still be two. So it's, you know, this is directed to E, so I don't think that that's right. This almost looks like three different people here uh, writing notes on this notepad. But it gets a little weird there because uh, you can see what, what they're saying, nothing too big. But then there's, why is the note stuffed behind it is kind of weird. Um, it's just there. When they open it up, this is what it says. And this is addressed to D. So now you have a fourth name. Maybe they all have love names, little nicknames. You know, K is definitely one. You can't see what is below the grug, uh, grug bug baby. So I don't know if anyone... I couldn't find a, a photo that shows the bottom half of this. Maybe I maybe I missed it. But this one is weirder because now they're labeling things. So when they label it item 46 and item 47, not only do they put a label on it, but they put it up here and they take a photograph of it. So they place it, they place number 47, this note, um, next on the re re refrigerator and then photograph it. I don't know why I thought that was kind of that was kind of weird to put it right there next to it. Um, what's even weirder though is you can clearly see it's not labeled here so they got their photo they got that when they mark it they got their photo there but it's also marked 47 here so and uh, it's turned around yeah yeah, it's 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 folded, right? Oh, it's turned around. It's folded around. and turned around. So it's not the same as this one? Nope, look at that. Oh, wow. So let's put back. Yep. So it was not taken, they did not take a picture. Oh, this is this drives me crazy. Because how Item 47 should have, the entire thing should be visible. This is garbage. If you were to take this to court, they would toss it out because you can't see me. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. It frustrates me. Yeah, so I want to see like they, they took the photo of it tucked behind, mm -hmm. labeled it 47, and then took it out, set it uh, next to it for comparison purposes as 47, and then for some reason tucked it back in incorrectly and took a picture of that. Yeah, with 47 on it then, yep. So, it's just, it's what I call sloppy, um, and you have to see the entire the photo, the, the edges. Correct. And like you said, you can't have this submitted in a court of law with not even showing the bottom half of this note. Correct. So. It's useless. And now here it is on the counter. So they've got a picture of it with the magnet on the fridge and on the counter and tucked in wrong and original so it's dancing all once, over the place once again it's just so <clears throat> bizarre I'll leave it at that bizarre very good I, I don't know why they would you know then take this one the, the note and then put it next to it um, on this little clip on the the magnetic clip, I, the whole thing. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but what we are seeing is is evidence of a happy couple uh, writing love notes back and forth. Right. Um, they were not in a stressful relationship. 
they were not under, uh, you know, thinking of breaking up. Uh, we see multiple, multiple love notes and nicknames for David and Kamel throughout this house. And uh, so you talked about the uh, item 40, 48. Yeah, so this is where the checkbook was um, was found there. Uh, Dan and Sophia, I know you both did a, a really good show on some of the content of that check of the checkbook and all of that stuff. Um, anything anything that you want to add about that checkbook here? I, I'll have. I have one thing, just an overall thing before Sophia goes, is that we have to keep in mind that Comel had her own checking account, David had his own checking account, they may or may not have had a joint account, and Davis, David had a business checking account. So it does explain, I think, all these checkbooks and boxes containing checkbooks in that one drawer. They did have a multitude or multiple checking accounts. Now, we did the show on a topic that related to the trust fund, uh, the POD account that was neither of these, that was a payable upon death for the father, a trust account for the for the children, and we did the show on that, there wouldn't be any checks uh, relating to that from a checkbook, but you're right, the financial uh, aspect of, of this crime and any crime is, is important to follow the money to see what was coming in, and that Wells Fargo uh, data, data that we received from the FOIA request in PDF format does show, I think, seven straight months of checking statements, uh, bank statements, checking checking accounts and whatnot. So, uh, police, the detectives did go and retrieve all those uh, statements up until the deaths, and I think they went back seven, eight months. Were those statements? Uh, were those statements tied to both? David and Camille's checking account, or was there one that was more than the other? I that's I have really haven't um, gone thoroughly through. Um, to me, I think there it looks like Sophia would know. I think to me, it looks more like a joint account because you're seeing transfers from a different account for both mm. David and Camille into this one account. Mm. So you, you will see like uh, payments for certain items and for the house payment being taken out of this account. But they were transferring money from other accounts. Yeah, I and think I don't had, have that. I think they had multiple uh, Wells Fargo accounts that were connected to each other so they could go online for online banking and just click one account onto the next and do a transfer. Uh, it, it appears the monthly mortgage was being paid uh, out of Kamel's account, I think, and then she was making that uh, one payment uh, twice a month, broken down into two payments a month to cover that. So we do see the statements of uh, the bills being paid, the groceries being paid, the utility bills, the mortgages, and the mortgage, um, not plural, of that activity. Uh, and so they did have a multitude of accounts, and Kamel was running her side business or businesses, and so was. David, so they a lot of uh, a lot of activity, but for the most part, it showed the consistent behavior, uh, financial behavior, that was within um, the realm of what we're dealing with here. A, a young couple with a child uh, trying to make ends meet. Uh, they weren't broke, they were not wealthy, um, but what I the word I would say is they were very uh, they did their due diligence on a monthly basis. There was 
signs of checklists of utility payment dates and things like that. So um, they were very prudent, I'll call it. Yeah, and you can see her her name is on this uh, box of checks here, K O M E L. So it's definitely labeled there. Um, anything else on the um, the checkbook there, or else I'm gonna nope. issue my own fact checker statement here regarding All this. Right, I'll go. <laughs> go ahead. I'll go to this last paragraph here for the chapter. It should be noted that items 46, 47, and 48 were unintentionally photographed and may have been the known writing samples mentioned in the reports. Regardless, according to the BCA documents, quote, handwriting comparisons of the questioned writing will not be conducted at this time, end quote. Okay, so that's where the fact-checking came in because I wanted to see what was I taught? Why would I say that they were unintentionally photo photographed? So that sentence um, I'm gonna update this this book and that sentence will be taken out because that is not accurate That is not right. The reason that I thought that 46 47 and 48 were unintentionally photographed was because I had misread this line here um, and I want to thank everybody for pointing that out to me too, um, because where was it here? There was something notepad on the refrigerator. There was somewhere here. Uh, oh, 48. Here it is. Item 48. Item 46-48. Not placed. Now I thought that that said not planned. So I did. You know that is a big, big blunder. Big thing that I will make sure to take out of that book. And, um, and so far, that's the biggest thing that I found in this book that I've gotten wrong. But I do want to thank everybody for helping me see that this says not placed, whereas I thought it said not planned. Um, and so they had those known writing samples. How difficult would it have been for them to run some tests? Could we run some tests? Could we hire somebody to run some tests based on what we have here? Any thoughts on that? I really wish that they would have done some handwriting samples. Um, it just seems like the the more pertinent parts of the case, they were either extremely lazy or deliberately didn't follow through. And it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And since we have those um, hand handwriting samples, and they have them, um, maybe we can still do something with them at some point. That's about all I got for this one. We've finished the uh, kitchen chapter. Any anybody have any final words on the on the kitchen? Nope, I'm good. Any questions from those on the uh, live stream? I think they're all just listening and just kind of watching and um, pretty much agreeing that a lot of this stuff just does not make sense, <laughs> which we could see, you know, just in these, uh, just in this one room, just in this kitchen, we can see how much stuff just does not make sense, just does not add up. And of course, you know, people can call us second guessers, we're second guessing on everything and, you know, 
you're not investigators all this stuff but these are all things i mean that just that doesn't help the the investigators if just you know us regular people can look at this stuff and see all of these different things that should have been and could have been done and could still be done and might help actually prove some of their theories especially if they're going to say that david crowley wrote anything handwritten in this house if they're going to say that david crowley wrote the note um in the office bedroom which by the way will be the next uh, podcast we'll be going through the office bedroom and all of that stuff so they had everything that they needed to run some samples is it is it a is it a cost thing is it too costly uh why not run run any samples were they scared of what they might find or what they might not find right and especially since they are trying to say or maybe they actually do come out and say that david did write that um note in the bed in the office and stuff you one would assume that the right thing to do would then be compare the handwriting so they can say yes it's backed up yes we know it's it's been done but they have now they have they can fall onto their well this is what we're going to say with absolutely nothing to back up their assumptions mm-hmm. that's it all right well that's all i got um I look forward to our next show uh next month that would be let's see this one will come out december 1st so uh the next one the office bedroom will be covered on the january 2021 as long as we survive 2020 that will come out here on january 1st and um you know that'll be our our 12th our 12th show so we've pretty much been uh we've done a year's worth of shows so so far and um we're only on page 50 54 of the 200 page book so still a long way to go these are these are good greg uh, because i know myself i'm learning something new on each one of these podcasts and i've already read the book and i've covered the case and looked at all this already but something at least one thing always uh, raises my antenna on each one of these shows so they are very helpful all right guys gotta run bye dan have a great trip all right thanks thanks everybody thanks Bye-bye. dan bye and if anyone in the chat room has anything that that they want to add i'm just going to go and kind of look in um, i know ellie is um you know still saying this doesn't make sense uh so much evidence that has not been used to convict him was either not collected or tested left out yeah i mean that's that's it and we're going to see that constantly um throughout this podcast here that's all that we keep seeing is all the stuff that was left out no dog feces tests you know no uh just just a quick guess that david crowley was was guilty and um some of the things that we had asked you know obviously well okay david wrote wrote notes they must have some type of proof that david wrote these notes in this house or wrote anything in in the house as far as these three crime scene notes and we don't see that and they have everything it's not like they don't have you know these are the most important things here these are things that would quickly prove or disprove 
their case so that's why we're all kind of wondering well maybe they didn't do these things because it would it doesn't fit in to their theory all right um it looks like that's about it so no other questions nothing else in the uh, chat i definitely want to thank everybody for joining us in this live chat with no notification or anything like that wasn't sure if we were going to do this live or not but Catherine, Sophia, I really appreciate you both um, uh, joining us for this podcast. I do want to schedule in the next week or two maybe a uh, follow-up podcast with Stephen Sanziri, and I'd like to hear some of his views on Kenneth Maines, the private investigator. So Stephen has read through it. He's not very happy, I could tell you that. But I don't, I don't really know too many people who have read Kenneth Maines what is it, a 40-page report? Not too many people who have read it are, are happy with what Kenneth Maines did, how he went about it, what he found, and, um, you know, the, the lack of, of content that he added to it, that he added to this case for us. I think some people who believe that the official theory is true just kind of cut to that chase. All they wanted to do was make sure that Kenneth Maines went there and didn't matter how Kenneth Maines got there so that's that's really sad because um, that's not the way that an investigation should be done people who think that this is a clear-cut case that David Crowley is guilty you should really think about that think about that this could happen to you too this could happen to your family and how would you want to be treated how would you want your family members to be treated the way you treat others is very important when you think about what happens to you. All right, so uh, this is podcast number 11. This was The Kitchen. We're gonna come back next month for podcast number 12, and we'll go through the office bedroom. And I can already tell that the office bedroom is probably going to require uh, two, maybe two, two chapters, or two, um, two podcast shows, possibly, but you know, um, then we got the master bedroom. We'll go through that. Um, and then it gets pretty crazy. Then we're going to get to the suspicious act activity that happened on January 19th, where a bunch of uh, David Crowley's quote-unquote friends are in the, in the house. They're not in the house. There's reports that uh, David's brother and his dad are there. They're not there. There's a bullet. They don't see the bullet hole. Nobody sees anything. And so we're going to get into all of that. But I think up until this point, it's been relatively calm. It's been, yeah, you know, there's a lot of weird things happening. But um, it gets pretty, pretty crazy. And a lot of the stuff that happens even after this book ends um, is even crazier. So we'll keep you all posted with that. Uh, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for joining us. And thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Stephanie, and everybody else. Um, Jet Petty, really appreciate that. And uh, Nova Coco, Nova Coco, we're going to be saying a prayer for you, too, as always. And um, really appreciate, appreciate you all joining. And until next time, I'm going to shut this down. Murder at 1051 Ramsdale Drive. What happened to David Crowley, his wife, and his daughter? If this was truly a double murder-suicide, why did investigators fail to prove David Crowley guilty? 
Where is the evidence David Crowley killed his wife and daughter? Where is the evidence David Crowley killed himself? Within 24 hours of finding the bodies of David Kamel and Rania Crowley, the Apple Valley Police Department were treating the incident as a double murder-suicide. Authorities cannot prove David wrote Allahu Akbar in his wife's blood on the living room wall. Authorities cannot prove David wrote I have loved you all with all of my heart on a laptop in the kitchen. Authorities cannot prove David wrote Open the Rise most recent version Submit to Allah Now on a notepad in his office bedroom. Authorities cannot prove the dog trapped inside the house ate David's right hand, both of Kamel's hands, and their daughter's right arm, since dog feces tests were never done. Authorities did not know about a bullet that rolled out of a living room carpet until they were notified by the cleaning company two days after the bodies were found. That bullet would later be tied to Rania Crowley. Authorities did not see the bullet hole in the living room ceiling or the bullet in the attic above until they questioned David's friend a month after the bodies were found. Authorities did not find a motive to support their accusations against David Crowley. Authorities did not find David's blood on any of the bullets at the crime scene. Authorities do not know when David Kamel and Rania Crowley died. What we know for sure is that David Crowley has not been proven guilty. A simple truth. It really is this simple. Either you believe David Crowley is innocent or you believe he is guilty. If you believe David Crowley is guilty, you are wrong. If you believe David Crowley is innocent, you are right. It really is that simple. A United States Army veteran is dead. His wife and his five-year-old daughter are dead. A thorough investigation would only conclude with authorities admitting they lacked evidence to support their accusations. If authorities were to admit the case remains unsolved, they would also have to admit that the public may still be in danger. I am not able to solve this case. My interest is in forcing authorities to admit David Crowley is innocent. The reason they refuse to talk about this case is not because they are confident of David's guilt. They lack confidence in their allegations. Their department wishes to move on, but they are only lying to themselves. They must know the simple truth, and they need to publicly admit this. Their credibility depends on it now. The unspoken truth is that David is innocent until proven guilty. Why are authorities running from the simple truth? How long do they think they can run for? You cannot run from God. You cannot run from your nightmares. And you cannot run from the facts. Why would anyone want to? What could possibly motivate someone to try? If you cannot prove David Crowley guilty, then he remains innocent. It's as simple as that. So the resistance we face is disgusting. If David was guilty, the evidence would be right in our faces. If David was guilty, resistance to our questions would not exist. If David was guilty, facts would be evident. 
There are no facts to prove David guilty. There are only facts which prove David innocent. Hence the resistance to getting justice for David Crowley and family. Who cares? Do the people who closed this case and decided to not speak about it ever again really care? Do the friends who accused David Crowley of being guilty days after his body was found really care? Perhaps they only care about spreading the accusations of David's guilt instead of researching the facts of this case. They don't seem to care about the facts which prove David innocent. Truth is a simple thing. Justice does not die. Facts prove David is innocent.